Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor, and I have Sean Ogle with me. Uh, he is the man behind Location 180. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for being here, Sean. Tell me what happened to you during a trip to Brazil that had a, a huge impact on your life. This is something that I read on your on your blog. You said Brazil started it all for you. How did that happen? Yeah, so in 2009, I was working as a financial analyst in Portland, Oregon, and it wasn't really what I wanted to be doing. You know, the stock market had collapsed, so it wasn't a real fun industry to be in, and I'd saved up all my vacation time for a year to go down to uh, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil for the carnival celebration with my best friend. And we were down there for two weeks. We danced in the carnival parade. We went hang gliding over uh, Rio. We went down to Iguazu Falls. It was really one of you know the best trips I could have ever had. And on um, the last day, uh, my friend and I were sitting on Copacabana Beach drinking coconuts, you know, looking out at beautiful weather. And uh, we just kind of realized, it's like, we should be able to do this whenever we want. You know, I was at a point where I couldn't go get my oil changed on a Tuesday if I needed to. I had to come up with uh, excuses to get out of work to do things like that. And so it was after that trip I got back and was like, you know what, let's let's try something else. Let's, you know, start a business or let's see see what I can do to get out of my job and do something that's going to make me a little bit happier. And uh, it definitely helped that the day I got back from Brazil – I got a 20% pay cut because of, you know, what the financial markets had done. So that just helped push me in the right direction. Okay. Now you started uh, Location 180 in 2009, if I, if I understand correctly. Uh, what were your goals with, with your, with, with, you know, with Location 180 back in 2009, regardless of what it has become uh, today? What, what would you have made you happy back then? Yeah, so basically I started Location 180 uh, about two months after I got back from Brazil. And my whole goal at the time for the site was to hold myself accountable for all the stuff that I wanted to do in life. So I created my bucket list and I wrote a list of all the stuff that I wanted to do. Uh, I started writing about how I was unhappy with my job and I was looking for a change. And I didn't know what that change was going to look like. But I knew that if I put it out there and there was people reading it, I was going to be much more likely to follow through with all the stuff that I've been talking about doing for a long time. You, so you've been blogging for about five years now. But at what point did it become a business? You know, initially, I don't know if, if, if you know, as a if, if you know, doing this as a business was number one priority. But at one point, did, did it become a source of revenue for you and a business? So it was never the goal to make it a business. It just kind of happened. And even today, you can argue whether or not the blog itself is actually much of a business. Yes, there's affiliate links and I make some money, but it's, it's mostly from other products I sell that are kind of related to the website. So I would say it first really kind of became a business probably a year into uh doing the site. I remember my first big uh, affiliate you know, promotion. I was, um, it was for Chris Gillibo's Empire Building Kit, and it was in May of 2010. And I remember I was sitting in Bangkok uh, in a friend's apartment, and it was 11 o'clock at night, our time. And so we were getting ready to launch. And we went to the street or went down the street to go get a couple drinks. We came back. And five minutes after it launched, I had made $500 in commissions. And at that moment, I was like, whoa, like this is maybe there's something to this. Maybe this could be a viable business. And so, um, you know, it was after that that I kind of started taking a little bit more seriously. I started developing my own series of products. Um, so I would say it was probably a year was when it first started, but it was probably two to two and a half years before it was a really sustainable thing long term. Now, were, how do you feel about, 
you know, your your attempt to to try to make this into a business for the first two to two and a half years? Um, were you worried about it, or did you think that you know, well, this is just the path, and we'll see what happens? You know, I really wasn't too concerned about it um, because, like I said, initially my goal was never to to make it a business. I was just kind of doing it to help facilitate change, and anything else was bonus. Um, you know, while I was living in, you know, for those of you uh, who don't know who I am, I, I left my job. Six months later, I moved to Thailand um, in January of 2010, and I started learning how to do internet marketing. I also worked with a couple guys over there, uh, helped them, you know, kind of run their business, and they, um, you know, gave me some of the internet marketing background and paid for my basic living expenses. Um, so while I was doing that, I had a little bit of income coming in. Um, in July of 2010, I moved back to the United States. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, 800 bucks a month isn't going to get me very far. So I got to figure out how to support myself. And that's when I started doing freelance search engine optimization. Uh, and I did that for about two years. And then once all the, um, the products and the blog and all the other stuff started taking off, then I kind of, you know, wound down the freelance work and focused, you know, specifically on location 180. So why why did you I mean I I have read about uh, you know your you know read about uh, your blog and uh, you know on your blog on Thailand and all that why come back from Thailand what, you know back to Portland uh, there was a variety of reasons one my uh, my girlfriend was here um, so we had been together about two years and then I kind of went through the whole quarter life crisis that I needed to move to Thailand and that's what I had to do to make myself happy and uh, we actually just got engaged a couple weeks ago so I'm still with her. Uh, so she Congratulations. Was, thank you. <laughs> so she was, uh, she was a big reason for it. Um, one of my favorite events uh, of the year in Portland is the Oregon Brewers Festival. It's one of the biggest beer festivals in the country, and it's right down on the river. And <laughs> I, I really, for whatever reason, wanted to go to it. So um, at the end of July, I, I decided to come back then. Uh, kind of left it open. I said maybe I would go back to Thailand, maybe I wouldn't. But realistically, kind of what I figured is that um, – I started to figure out how I like to travel. I wasn't necessarily someone that wanted to be on the road all the time. I like having a home base. Portland is one of my favorite cities in the world. So, you know, kind of what I figured out is I'd like to spend most of my time here and then take, you know, shorter trips to other places. So now I spend about eight months out of the year here and I'm, I'm traveling about four months to various places. Where do you travel when you're when you're on the road? Uh, it's all over the place. So I travel to Asia a lot just because I've got a lot of other entrepreneurial friends over there. Uh, I've done some work in China, um, so I've, I'm usually there once or twice a year. Uh, currently, I'm trying to play the top 100 golf courses in the United States. So I'm traveling all over the U.S. a lot uh, to go knock off some of these courses. Um, but it's really kind of all over the map. You know, I'm, I'm going to Scotland later this year. So it's kind of wherever, wherever an opportunity shows up, I'm usually pretty quick to jump on it. I live in San Diego, California. I'm sure there are some of those golf courses around this area. There are. I'm actually planning a trip to uh, San Diego this summer, so we'll have to we'll have to get together yeah, and have coffee. Will, well, well, yeah, sounds good. You know, talk about initially maybe the first you know couple of two three years, the challenges of of generating revenue uh, from I you know I don't know if you want to talk about Location Rebel. I don't know when Location Rebel came into the picture exactly and and what role it has in your in your in your business as of today. Well, early on, it was difficult to generate revenue just because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I you know when I started a blog, I probably first heard the term blog about a month before I created Location Rebel or Location One Eighty. So 
I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know the different avenues that were that were open to me. And so, you know, one of the things you realize pretty quick is that if you're going to be a blogger and if you're going to make money at it, you have to be a, a marketer and you have to be good at, at selling those products. And and so it took me a while to kind of embrace that idea and embrace the idea that marketing and sales isn't necessarily this, you know, nasty thing that, you know, um, should be frowned upon. It can actually be a really beneficial thing and you can help a lot of people in the process. Um, so once so talk about marketing, um, you know, wh what were some of the first things that you learned to, to become a better marketer? Well, I think that one is relationships. I think that a lot of people, um, they kind of gloss over this idea. They look at the idea that, okay, I've got a blog and I've got an email list and I'm going to, you know, just talk to people. I'm going to put information out there and they're going to consume it. It's just a one way street. And those people have, you know, kind of the complete wrong idea. Um, with a blog or with email or with any of that stuff, it should be a two-way street. You should be talking to, uh, or they should be talking to you just as much as you're talking to them. So that was one of the lessons I learned a couple of years ago. So in, in this relationship, what do you mean by relationships? Relationships to other businesses or people that are in your network? To potential customers. So in this case, blog readers, for instance. Um, so if I want somebody to buy my product and I'm all they're doing is they're reading my blog posts and they're reading my emails, that's great. But if they send me an email and I respond and we actually get into a, a conversation, then we're building that relationship. They're going to be more likely to buy a product. I'm able to actually help them on a more one-on-one -on -one basis. Um, so that's one of the, the most important things I learned is I shouldn't just be talking to people. I should be letting them talk back and giving them the opportunity to talk back to me so I can build those, build those relationships. And where did you find those people? Uh, generally, they find me. So one of the things I encourage people to do when they sign up for my email list is the very first thing I say in the very first email I send them is, hey, tell me, one, what you're struggling with right now, and two, what your perfect day looks like. So they're, first off, kind of caught off guard. Usually in an autoresponder sequence, people aren't expected to re reply. Um, and I get probably 25% of people that will actually write me back. And so they'll, they'll answer those questions, and usually they find, I find that they, they haven't really thought about them, and they haven't articulated them that way. So it's a good exercise for them. And then I catch them even more off guard when I give them a thoughtful reply back. Um, so it's like, oh, if you're struggling with you know, making money, well, maybe you should consider this type of business. Or, oh, if, you want, if this looks like your perfect day, maybe you should consider going you know, down this path. And so it, it takes it from I'm the, the blogger and they're just a reader to, hey, there's some kind of a relationship here, and you're starting to establish a little bit of trust as well. So since you started your business, what, what are some of the skills that you have to build? One of them is marketing, but there are many aspects to it, and I'm sure maybe there are some other things about marketing. But what other skills that you, that you have to learn or to, to, to improve since you started? Yeah, so my, my business being kind of a, a blog-based online business, uh, WordPress has been extremely valuable. Um, I have no real tech skills when it comes to coding or web design or any of that kind of stuff. So really understanding how to use WordPress has been important. Uh, basic SEO. A lot of my traffic comes from Google and other search engines. So understanding how to optimize my posts so that they're actually going to be fined in those ways. Um, a huge one is copywriting. And this kind of goes back to the idea of marketing, you know, being able to be persuasive with your words um, and get people to do what you want them to do. Um, I think that's probably the most valuable skill you could possibly learn to have success, not only on, in an online business, but in any business, because um, you're constantly trying to, to get people to, you know, basically see things from your point of view. So I think those are those are three of the really big ones. Okay. Now, mostly, uh, you live in Portland and you travel about four 
four months out of the year. And you just bought a house as well, right, in, in Portland? I did, correct. And kind of a, a home base uh, home base for you in Portland. Is that going to change at all the way you think about business or the way you think about um, you know being a location rebel? You know, actually, it's going to change very little in my life. Um, for about five years, or basically from before I moved to Thailand and while I was, you know, living in Portland after Thailand, my girlfriend and I lived in about 485 square feet, a one-bedroom condo, and working from home, it was extremely small. And so now we have a much bigger house. I have dedicated office space. Um, so it's really going to help my business to actually have the space to spread out and do more of the work I want to do and have the space to do it is something I'm really excited about. Um, but frankly, I'm not going to travel any less and I'll probably actually be traveling more this year than I usually do. Um, so, you know, it's an added expense. And so it's something to, to think about, but if anything, it's just motivated me to want to work that much harder because I know, okay, you've got that mortgage to pay for now is so you, you got to make sure you're not slacking off. And for a while there, it was kind of, I didn't have, I didn't have huge overhead and I still don't have huge overhead, but it can be easy to, to kind of slack off a little bit and be like, Oh, you know, I'm going to go golf today instead of work or, or whatever it is. So you you basically haven't had a job since 2009, right? Correct. So a, a lot of people lose their jobs or quit their jobs and, you know, they end up, you know, going back to work or give up or whatever. So give me give me some of the characteristics that you think someone should be prepared to have or develop to to be able to make it. And I'm not, you know, it it doesn't matter if you make $10 million or $100,000, you know, but but it's something you can stick with. What are some of those characteristics that one should have? So there's there's two things in particular that jump out at me. And the first is is discipline and consistency. Um, You know, it's been I've been doing my blog for about five years, and it's the only thing I think in my entire life I've stuck with that consistently for that long. Uh, so many bloggers will get started. They think this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And a month into it, you know, they, they don't blog for a week or two. And then before you know it, it, it doesn't exist anymore and isn't updated. And so if you're going to start a business online, you have to have the discipline to be consistent with the work you put into it. And I think that's, that's what 95% of people, you know, that fail with these types of businesses. That's the reason. So why, why did you not give up? Why did you not quit? Uh, what is it that kept you going? Well, I think... For so long and up, you know, basically ever since the day I left my job, my life has been one giant adventure. And so I don't take that for granted. You know, it's I do a good job of balancing the work with the play. And so I know that if I don't work hard during the times I've set aside to do that, then I'm not going to be able to play and travel and do all of the stuff I like to do. Um, You know, it's like I can work now or I can have my business fail and go back and get a, a day job where I work 50 hours a week. You know, it's at that point, once you've kind of tasted it and I know what life can be like, then you definitely have a lot of motivation to, to keep that going. Um, and so how often do you post on your blog? Uh, it varies. I usually try and post at least once a week. Um, when I first started out, I was doing two to three times a week. Um, but I kind of found that I can spend more time on articles and my readers get more value out of it. Um, and don't get burnt out as much and are looking forward to the post more um, if I do it once a week. So that's kind of what I shoot for. And what is your philosophy on in terms of the depth of a post? Uh, do you believe in long, detailed posts or short but, but very frequent? I mean, you already mentioned that you post about once a week, but do you have a philosophy? I, I think that it, it depends on the, the content, what it is. You can have a very short post be just as impactful as a very, very long post. Personally, I like the long, in-depth, step-by-step how-to 
tutorial type post. And I try and, you know, make sure I write, a, write those as much as possible. Cause those are the things that people are actually gonna be able to sit down, spend a couple hours with, walk through the steps and actually create meaningful change, actually get from point A to point B. There's a lot of posts that are like that, that don't give you the steps that are just inspirational and they get you all excited. Uh, it's kind of like the four hour work week. You know, that book got a ton of people excited and motivated to start their own business, but it didn't really tell them how to do anything. Um, so there's a lot of people that come to sites like mine. It's like, okay, I'm all motivated. I'm ready to make a change. I know it can be done. Now you're giving me the tools to actually, you know, put that change into action. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why I really like some of those longer posts. Okay. Now, can you talk about what pays the bill in your business? What are some of the sources of revenues? You mentioned affiliate uh, income. Uh, I don't know if you can go into that and maybe some other sources of revenues for your business. So, so there's a variety of sources for my business. You know, one is affiliate income um, and specifically those kind of long tutorial how-to posts I just talked about. Uh, a lot of those, there's various tools that I use um, to you know, reach my end goal, whatever it is. Maybe it's creating a sales page. So I'll do a long in-depth tutorial post about how to create a sales page. And it's like, oh, well, I use AWeber to get my email leads. And I use Optimize Press to actually create the sales page. And those are all affiliate opportunities. Um, the majority of my income comes from Location Rebel. So that's my online course and community uh, that I've been creating over the last three years. Uh, we have over 700 members now that are all working on building this kind of independent business. Uh, and are those 700 members paying members? How does that work? Uh, every single person in there is a paying member. Uh, well, with the exception of maybe like a dozen. Um, but yeah, it's a one-time fee of $500. I personally don't really like the, the monthly, you know, I could charge $97 a month or I could charge $500 upfront. And I like the upfront fee for a variety of reasons. One, people are able to save up for it, invest in themselves, and then they can forget about the money and just focus specifically on their business. More importantly, um, you know, I've helped a lot of people. There's a lot of people in that community that have actually built successful businesses. And so what happens? You know, say a year down the road, they've built their successful business, then they stop paying. And one of the most valuable parts of the whole program is the community and the forums. And so as soon as they stop paying, then you've got this person that has all of this knowledge, and then all of a sudden they're not there anymore. They can't help the new people. And so because it's a one-time fee, I've got people that have been members for three years that are constantly coming back and helping all of the new people and giving advice and giving feedback. So I think that's one of the things that sets my private community apart where so many others kind of fail to really gain a lot of traction. Um, okay. So, so, and I have a couple other products. We just recently launched one called Enter China. Uh, it's for entrepreneurs that are looking to do manufacturing or import export into China. Um, I do some consulting work. Um, I work with Chris Gillibo as his affiliate manager. Uh, help him with a couple conferences, including the World Domination Summit. More recently, we just did one called Pioneer Nation. Um, I've got a few other different affiliate sites. So I've, I've got probably a dozen different income streams. Can you give us an idea of a yearly revenue? Can you share that uh, approximately? Yeah, last year I made about $150,000. Um, this year I'll probably make a fair amount more than that. So Okay. Um, so So the business is growing still and, you know, Every year the business is growing, and I think that that's directly related to, you know, kind of going back to the idea of relationships. I try and talk to as many readers as I can, and I try and help them one-on-one -on -one as best I can. Um, and it takes a lot of time and effort to respond to those emails and do that, but that's, that's the most enjoyable part about what I do. I'm a very strong believer in the idea that um, the more people I can help be successful, the more success I'm going to have in my own life. And so that's what I try and do.
So give us an idea. So far, it sounds like everything has gone really well for your business, but give me something that was a really big challenge for your business, or maybe even a failure that was a good learning experience for you. You know, this is, I, I always hate this question because I don't have <laughs> a good answer to it. Like, I've been very, very fortunate in the sense that I haven't had any massive failures. I haven't had any really tough struggles. I would say the most difficult thing was making the transition out of my day job because I had so many allegiances to that company and I felt like I owed them and I should be staying there. And then there was all of this terrifying uncertainty once I left. It's like, how am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to, how am I going to make enough money to do this? Um, and you know, that lasted for a couple months, but pretty much as soon as I went to Thailand and started building up these skills and having an adventure and building out my network, uh, location 180 continued to grow. Um, you know, it's, I haven't had any, you know, major problems. Um, that's fair. Yeah, and I, I, I hate it because I feel like I should, every entrepreneur has their huge failure story. And I think that my business has taken a little bit longer. I haven't had any huge hits or huge wins. Um, you know, just so to speak, but it's just been very slow, steady, incremental growth over the last five years. So give us an idea how many hours you have to work in your business to, to, to run everything, you know, from the affiliate uh, marketing to writing and, uh, you know, location rebel, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it varies strongly from week to week. Um, there's weeks where I'll work, you know, five to 10 hours. And that's, you know, if I'm traveling or I've got a lot going on, um, you know, my personal life, like for instance, I was moving all last week and so I wasn't able to spend as much time on it. Uh, and then there's weeks that I'm working, you know, 60 to 70 hours a week if I'm getting ready for a product launch or if I'm just at home and trying to, you know, crank out on things. Um, you know, my, my business more than most, it, it varies all over the place. And I have, I feel very fortunate to have that flex, flexibility. If I need to take time off, I can, and I can make up with it just by working a little bit more the, the next week. So um, what role does outsourcing have in your business, if any? Uh, very little. Uh, I've worked with some outsource um, for various businesses I've had in the past. I've worked with um, outsource people. Uh, when I was in Thailand and the guys I was working with over there, uh, I managed a, a team of people in the Philippines. Um, but I have one, one girl who helps me out with a lot of my social media, and she helps me out with a couple of my sites. Um, and she's awesome, um, but I wouldn't call that outsourcing. Um, she, she just works with me on a variety of things. Um, but other than that, yeah, I haven't, I haven't done a whole lot of uh, traditional outsourcing over the last couple of years. Uh, do you, I mean, do you ever, you talked about, you know, you don't feel like you had any failures, but I'm sure you, there are days when you feel more successful than others. Do you, how do you experience the roller coaster ride of being an entrepreneur? Okay, that's, that's a very fair question. It's one of those things I don't think, no matter how much success you have, you're going to have your really good days and you're going to have your really bad days. You know, I have the days where I'm like, oh, my God, what if I never make another sale again? What if all my sites go down? What if, you know, how am I going to pay the bill? It's like, you know, even five years in, I still have those, you know, wake up at 430 in the morning, you know, panic moments. Um, and it's just kind of one of the things you learn that, that comes with the territory. First off, you just give yourself permission to understand this is going to happen for the rest of your life. As long as you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have days like this. And usually on those days, I kind of say, all right, I recognize this is what's going on. I'm freaking out a little bit. Um, and I try and just step away from the business. You know, 
it's kind of counterintuitive. You feel like on those days you should work even harder, but usually those are the times I'll go for a hike or I'll go golf or I'll go see a movie or, or whatever it is. And then I come back, I'm more refreshed. I've got, you know, a better frame of reference to be able to, to keep going forward. And it's just kind of, it's, it's part of the, the t- you know, comes with the territory. And so I think the more, the more balanced your life is and the more you're able to, you know, exercise and eat well and all of that kind of stuff, I think that helps kind of curtail those moments uh, quite a bit. Can you talk about maybe the greatest high you had owning your own business? Oh, I think there's been, there's been quite a few, but the one that really sticks out was July 26th of 2011. So that was the day that I first launched Location Rebel. And I had been working on it for, you know, a few months. Uh, I had the idea for a year and a half. I had no idea if it was going to work. And my goal was to sell 20 beta spots at $300 a piece in a week or so. Um, so I launched it at 8 a.m. on uh, July 26th. And within 48 minutes, I had sold out uh, all 20 spots. And so I made about somewhere between six and $7,000 that day. And that was the first time I was like, all right, there's something to this. You know, I can do this. Um, and so I, I look back on that as kind of my one first really big high, my first really big win. Okay. Now, you know, you, I'm sure you know a lot of people that own their own businesses. And I always i am concerned about wasting time as an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest time waster for, for people that own their own business? Oh, just surfing the Internet. I mean, I, when you spend – I'll often spend 10 hours a day at my computer and – you know, really, I think most people only have a capacity to have three or four hours of very focused, solid, creative work. And so there's been more days than I could ever count where I'll get three or four hours of really solid work and then spend six hours just cruising Facebook or YouTube or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And I think that that's just for especially for online entrepreneurs, I think that is the biggest time suck that's out there. And I don't think there's anybody that doesn't fall victim to it at some point or another. So if, if somebody, you know, you talk about having, uh, you know, networking, building a community around your business. If somebody starts out now in 2014, what would you what would you recommend to somebody that just starts now from scratch? You know, they have a, they have a, they have a WordPress site. They started writing, or you know, they have a product. How should they start out? So I generally advocate a three step process, and most people they'll jump straight to step number three, and that's why they might not be successful. But step number one is spend the time to learn the skills. So start a WordPress blog and then use that as a way to learn all the skills you need. So SEO, copywriting, how to use WordPress, uh, social media for business, um, all of those are really, really important skills to have when you're working online. Um, Step number two, take one of those skills, once you've kind of built up a proficiency at it, and freelance it. Freelancing does two things. It helps you build your income uh, and it's much easier to build income freelancing than it is to do like affiliate sites or info products or, um, you know, membership sites or whatever it is. Um, so it builds up your income, which then in turn gives you the confidence to know that you can make money. So if you can get your income to a point freelancing where you're making three to $5,000 a month, then all of a sudden you've got all of these options. You can say, oh, well, I, I'm going to leave my job and go, you know, do this on the side and then work full time on a more exciting business. Maybe it's an e-commerce store or whatever it is. Or you could say, I'm going to take my three to $5,000 a month and I'm going to go hit the road and I'm going to go travel indefinitely, uh, you know, doing this freelance work that allows me to work from anywhere. Um, 
And so step number one, learn the skills. Step number two, pick something and freelance it. And then step number three is start transitioning into applying it to your own projects. So for me, that's, um, you know, Location Rebel. I've got a golf blog that I started. I've got a photography site that I've started, um, you know, other information products. Um, the reason all of those are successful is because I had that SEO income that helped me build my confidence. I knew I was going to be able to support myself. I didn't have to get a day job. So I was able to invest um, a lot more of my time into, you know, these things that are a little bit more exciting and things that I'm more interested in and have maybe more income potential. So how do you how do you not get too excited about too many different things? I think, you know, I've owned my own business for over 10 years as well. And sometimes it's hard not to just start on this and that and the other thing. Uh, how do you stay focused enough, long enough to make something successful? <laughs> not very well. I'm totally one of those people that falls into it's like somebody comes up to me with a cool idea and is like, hey, you want to do this? Like, yeah, it sounds great. Let's do it. Um, and I've kind of realized I have, you know, probably every six months I have this realization. It's like, okay, like take a step back. You're spreading yourself too thin, like reassess the things you really want to be working on and then get rid of everything else. Um, and, you know, I think that when you're especially just starting out, I would say pick one thing, just pick one thing that you think has the most potential and focus on that until you're at the point where you're making money from it. You feel good about it and you you're starting to have a little bit more free time and then you can start applying it to the next project. Um, you know, there's, there's people that'll say, I'm going to start 10 things all at once. I'm going to do a blog and a podcast an information product and a YouTube series. I'm going to do all of this at once. And I think that's the worst idea ever. You're going to spread yourself too thin and you're not going to be able to grow any of those. You know, it's much better to spend all of your time just on say a blog and just grow your email list, um, than it is to have, you know, a 10th of the following spread out all over the place. So that's kind of my approach to it. Can you give us maybe one or two book titles that was especially helpful in your business? Um, so the obvious one for our work week, just because that was one of the first things that inspired me to say, hey, maybe there is another way to do this. Um, a more you know, kind of tactical one is uh, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion, which is by Robert Caldini. Um, it's not necessarily a copywriting book per se, but it's, it's basically he presents all of the different ways people can be persuasive. So not only can you use them in your work, but you can understand what people are doing to you psychologically when they're trying to convince you to do something. Um, and I think having, you know, both those where you can use it on other people and understanding what they're doing, I think is extremely powerful. So that's the book I always tell people to, uh, to read when they're getting started. Do you have any last words of wisdom to share or maybe something I, I should have asked in terms of growing a business, taking your business from what it is now to the next level? Well, I think one of the biggest things people should keep in mind is that there's only one thing in the world people are afraid of. You know, you might have all these reasons or for not doing it or whatever, but it all comes down to the idea of uncertainty. Um, most people are afraid of the uncertainty around what might happen or what might not happen. Um, and I think successful entrepreneurs, instead of being terrified of uncertainty, uh, they treat it as an asset because they don't know what's going to happen. They can make anything they want happen. Um, and so I think if you're able to take that mindset and look at uncertainty as an asset and treat that as a good thing, uh, you're going to be way ahead of the game in terms of growing your business. Well, I appreciate your time today, Sean. It was very informational. How can people connect with you? Um, easiest way is to go to seanogle.com, S-E-A-N-G. S-E-A-N-O-G-L-E, -E, um, at Sean Ogle on Twitter uh, or Facebook.com slash Location 180. 
All right, be sure to check out Sean at S-E-A-N-O-G-L-E dot com. Thank you very much, Sean. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.